one and all. Welcome to Funkatopia WTF. I hope everybody is doing fantastically well. I am your host, Mr. Christopher. This is my illustrious co-host, Mr. Jeff Page. That was better. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like you were just like, screw it. Here we go. Hey, I, I used to be able to do it, but they... Last every time we go out, and last time we were in Minneapolis, I had to do it so much. My voice is like, now nah, we, we've <laughs> we've had enough of the party horn sound. I need to just get the effect. Yes, uh, well, it it is what it is. And I almost kind of feel like maybe I should put the sound effect into the system, so so we have it. So that if you're just not feeling it that day, you can just go just do the sound effect. I'm just gonna be like. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Funkatopia Live. This is a very special show tonight, not only because of the fact that it is the final Funkatopia Live for the year. We're going to be taking a break until January, so you will see us. When is that? January 2nd, I think, is when uh, when we're going to be jumping in. Uh, I have to check. Why? Is, why? Windows? Why? Yeah, January 2nd, I think, is when we'll be. So it's all is quiet on New Year's Day, and then we'll we'll make sure to make up for the noise on January 2nd. Yeah. Uh, so we will see exactly what's going to be happening. We've had a lot of amazing interviews this year. Uh, and I hope that you got an opportunity to see. We'll cover everything that's been happening. But for tonight, we have a very, very, very cool, uh, cool way to just kind of tie up everything for the year. And that's for sure. Tonight, we welcome Danny A. Thomas, founding member of Confunction along with special guest Mark Anthony Alexander of the Upscale Band. And we're going to be talking to both of them uh, about this really, really cool event that they got going on on New Year's Eve. But obviously, when you got, you know, when you got Mr. Thomas on, we got to talk a little bit of confunction and kind of get some background stories uh, and everything. But uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome both of them to the stage for sure. Yes. First up, let me bring the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Dan Thomas from Confunction in the house. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm so honored. Oh, stop it. Wow. You got no reason to be honored with us. Right? <laughs> you had nothing to do tonight. That's your problem. <laughs> Hang with us. It, it was either this or TV dinners. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we're also going to bring in the, uh, a, a special guest, Mark Anthony Anderson. Is that right? Right? That's what Mark, no, Mark, Mark, An Mark Anthony Alexander, not Anderson. Uh, he's not a famous actor. Uh, he might be, though, uh, but he is a leader of the upscale band. I'm going to bring him in. Uh, Mark Alexander's in the house. Mark Anthony, whichever way you want it would go. We're, we're going to find out the, the right way to say <laughs> there is Mark Anthony. How y'all doing, man? <laughs> y'all doing okay? I'm doing great. So should we do just, just do Mark for the night, Mark Anthony, or Mark Anthony Alexander, or Mark AA? What you want? <laughs> Mark Anthony works for me. That, that That's my professional name. Perfect. Um, when my mother would say Mark Anthony Alexander, all three, I went the other direction. Oh yeah, <laughs> because I was in trouble then. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. that a lot, right? Because I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My full name a lot. Yeah. <sighs> that wasn't the one I wanted to click on. I wanted to click on Lisa's, which was just like, uh, "Shake your pants, Mr. Thomas. Shake your pants." <laughs> 
Yeah, so I don't know if you guys can see the chat room. So, we're, you know, we got a lot of stuff that we obviously want to talk about and just try to you know cover a little bit of everything. But I don't know if you can actually see the chat area that's over there on the on the right. If you can, uh, I think there is there's a way you can like expand it and, you know, minimize it or whatever. So if you, if you see something that happens to be going on over there, feel free. Uh, to answer any questions or interrupt or whatever, but we will normally bring over questions as we're kind of going to kind of, you know, talk and whatever, but uh, people from all over the world, including Claude from Luxembourg, Europe is on the line right now. Man. Claude, oh, cool. Worldwide, worldwide. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to it. Um, obviously, you know, let's, Let's go ahead and start with the special guests since we don't know, you know, a whole bunch about about you, Mark Anthony of the Upscale Band. Just give me a little bit of an idea. Um, we'll, we'll kind of do this two part. We'll say, you know, tell me about the Upscale Band, and also let me know exactly, you know, how exactly did you connect with Danny? Well, it's a uh, it's kind of a funny story, uh, but the Upscale Band, we we've been, uh, we're, I call ourselves a local corporate band. Uh, we're a party band. We do a lot of corporate stuff, you know, weddings, that type of stuff. Uh, I've been singing and dancing all my life, man. And um, I retired as a hairstylist. And one day I was singing um, uh, while walking some of uh, some friends to their car. And this young lady used to sing with Arrested Development. And she said, wow, you know, uh, people will pay you for that. You know what I mean? She said, I know a guy that's, look, a guy that's looking for a, a lead singer for a band. You know, you don't give me a challenge that, you know, because I'll take it, you know. And, and the rest is history, you know, even though uh, those guys didn't treat me very well. But I had made up my mind at the time that I wanted to learn the business. I mean, I could always sing, but I want to learn the business. So I took my licks and here I am. But uh, uh, with Danny, it's been about five or six years ago that I met him. And they did this event, and I won't say where it was because I don't want to put nobody in the middle of it. But um, they were doing, uh, oh man, all these great songs by Confunction, man. I mean, you already know, man. Yeah. They had mm -hmm. some serious hits, you know what I mean? And uh, and I've always been, I mean, I could sing like anybody, male or female, when I was younger. So I, like I said, I grew up on that stuff. And this uh, one gentleman was singing. And I mean, he did a great job. He's he's a very talented young man. Uh, matter of fact, we're friends to this day. But he he ain't lived long enough to sing that song like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, man. I, was, and I told Danny. I, I bet you Danny was like, man, this cat got his nerve. He don't even know me. But I did. I said, man, he ain't got no bit of singing that. <laughs> I mean, he did a great job. But man, you know, it was just that that feeling. You know what I mean? So uh, you know. Yeah, he kind of watched us over the years, and uh, one day he called me, and um, he came to a couple, one of our shows, and then he, uh, I used to do, um, before the pandemic, I used to do a band appreciation every year, and uh, we invited him to come out there, him and his wife, and uh, they came out. We had a good time, and then after that, we talked periodically, and then one day uh, he called me up and invited me to a, a very, very intimate setting. Uh, uh, at one of his family's uh, members' home. It was a family reunion. I'm like, wow, I mean, we don't even know each other like that. Something's going on here. <laughs> well, uh, needless to say, after that, uh, uh, he called me and he told me, he said, hey, man, uh, I've been watching you. I like the way 
you run your business, you're very professional, you know, and uh, here we are, man. Here we are. Yeah. So, so uh, we started this uh, uh, Danny A. Thomas and the Confunction Review, and we are his Confunction Review, and I'm honored. <laughs> I really am. You know what I mean? I am honored. There's something to be said about uh, carrying yourself the right way um, everywhere you go, because people don't realize you're being watched at all times when you're moving. And I just, I just picture the you going up to another singer and going, <laughs> "What you know about that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't, you ain't old enough, man. You don't know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah. You got to be OG yeah. to be singing confunction tunes, <laughs> man. That, that's my point. Yeah. So yeah, that's my point. So with that, you've been singing and performing your 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 whole life forever. And well, not not really not really perform. I've been singing all my life. Uh, we did the little high school garage band, uh, junior high school, all that stuff way back in the day, and we went nowhere. We invented the garage band, okay, and uh, we went nowhere. And then, like I said, you know, my son was born. I had to make the donuts, man. You know what I mean? So I got out there and got, you know, got a job, went to school, became a, a professional hairstylist. And, uh, you know, I used to serenade my clients. You know what I mean? Hey, that's how I got my wife, man. She was, <laughs> she was one of my clients years ago. We've been together. Oh, no, I'm getting ready to date myself now. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna say no years. But uh, yeah, so, but I've been singing and dancing all my life. But doing it on this level, uh, I've been doing it, I'm gonna say, since, um, uh, 2012, 2012. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was doing some digging and it, somewhere along the way, I heard it, it was mentioned that at some point you shared the stage with Sammy Davis Jr. I did. And so I'm what was he like? Like, what was that like? What happened? Well, that was back in, that was back in junior high school. Uh, like I said, man, back then, you know, you had um, uh, the Jackson Five, you know, uh, the Silvers and all these guys. And uh, and we had our little singing group and uh, we had the opportunity. Uh, actually, Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, ran the um, I forget the name of the ballroom, but it was at the uh, it was at the same hotel where Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, what was it? What was the name of that hotel? It's in Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard. I can't think of the name of it. Um, but yeah, but it, but Sammy Davis, uh, it was it was his room. You know what I mean? So and we got to meet him. We you know we didn't actually perform with him, but we were on stage with him. You know that's my claim to fame, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, you, you you've got more because uh, you also had been. You mentioned you've been on stage with Climax. Yes, now, I, had, I was with another. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. You can go ahead because we had Bernadette Hooper on the show a little while back. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we I was um I was with another band at that time, mm -hmm. and uh, we did this we did this um this thing out of Stone Mountain. Uh, I want to say it was for Kiss 104, uh, and we we actually opened up for them. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And Regi and Regina Troop. That's that's a friend of mine. I, I, matter of fact, she was with him at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, every, every, yeah. If we remember correctly, there's also there's two versions of Climax. <clears throat> also, there's the Bernadette 
version of climax and yeah and joyce yeah and, and joyce's version of climax yeah yeah and it's like there's two versions of confunction now it's just it's the same it's yeah same scenario same exact scenario that's cool yeah yeah very very cool well i mean obviously it would goes without saying that it's 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 cool to have you on here we're going to talk about the new year's eve show as soon as we get some uh as soon as we get some cool confunction information out of okay. Danny. Because we're okay. going to talk about the uh, obviously we're going to talk about Confunction, how it kind of got started, and everything. Talk about the original lineup. Um, now, obviously, this is not a left or right thing, but you had uh, McCall uh, Lewis on on uh, on drums. Uh, rest in peace. I know he's no, no longer with us. Michael Cooper, uh, Cedric Martin, uh, Danny Sweetman, Thomas, uh, <laughs> Carl Fuller, Paul Maceo, Harrell, and then. Um, Felton pilot mm-hmm. and um i guess you know when i guess when it first started it was michael and i was trying to I think it was lewis but they there was only two of them at, the, at first felton didn't come along until a little bit later but when you were approached danny about joining this band um what what was the original vision for this because uh what was the original vision for this band well, we were just, you know, young kids in high school with the love of music, and we just wanted to play, have fun. Uh, we had, you know, we had no ideas of recording or becoming a professional band. We were just in my garage. What happened was how the, how the group started from my, from my interest was I was in a high school, 10th grade of high school in the band room, and I was playing, and Michael passed by and saw I heard what I was playing, saying, Matt Shaw, um, how you playing? And I showed him, you know, what I was doing. They said, you want to start a band? And I said, yeah, you know, because it's previous. Um, my first gig, my parents and my family hired my cousins and I in junior high school to play for a Christmas party. My cousin played the drums and they had a piano at the house. We would always get together and have a jam session and all stuff. They said, We'll pay you to play for our Christmas party. I said, Really? I said, Okay, so we rehearsed, you know, we practiced for several weeks and learned a bunch of songs and showed up and played and just had a marvelous time. Everybody enjoyed it, everybody liked us, and we got paid. I said, Wow, I had this much fun. Performing something that I would do for free, and we got paid. I would do do some more of this. So, well, my cousins wasn't interested, of course. You know, they went there. So I, I said, well, I'm just going to stay focused, keep practicing, and when I get to high school, I'll meet some serious musicians to start a band. So, when Michael entered the room the second day of high school and said he want to start a band, that was music to my ears. I couldn't believe it. So he introduced me to Louis McCall. And we eventually met Mike Cooper, I mean, Michael Wilson, which um, played guitar. Michael started off playing bass, and we started rehearsing in my, in my garage. And we came up with the name Project Soul. So um, actually, the band started in my garage, the four of us, as a, we were doing um, a uh, West Montgomery, um, Jimmy Smith, Jack McDuff, 
type of jazz group. We started doing instrumental. And then um, my mother heard us back. We would do, we were in the talent show and we, and we would win. And we'll take the money and invest it back into the group. And and because and, none of us, you know, we came from, you know, very humble surroundings, you know, but um, the drummer had his own drum. And um, we got a hold to our equipment. I used to play the upright piano in the community and the community center, but we had the talent shows. And so a keyboard was one of the first things we bought. And um, we bought an 18 inch speaker that the bass and uh, guitar player both came out of. And uh, that made us legit as a band. And um, so, and one thing led to another. Man, uh, so and you didn't comment on this, uh, this, this young <laughs> up here. <laughs> oh, uh, no. didn't comment on this young chap here on the screen. Oh, this yes, wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, <clears throat> that's that that take you back a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's like when I was a clean cut young man, <laughs> a little whippersnapper, actually. <laughs> so you know and i know that you know there's a lot of history because even as you guys were were starting there was so many things that that could have derailed the band uh there was this one story that i had heard uh regarding um regarding a a, a pretty serious accident involving you and lewis you want to tell us a little bit about what happened there and and uh you know what? What could have possibly derailed Project Soul at the time? Oh, that was a crazy time. We was again in tenth grade, and me and Lewis, Lewis like my brother. We kind of just had the same vibe, right? He was laid back, cool, and um, just a really nice guy, you know. And I was too, actually. Once you get to know me, but um, we was at my house. Um, after band, uh, after school, um, preparing for band rehearsal. We both were hungry, and so I, my mother gave me the keys. I had a driver's permit, but I was driving for years. We were gonna get uh, something to eat, get some couple of hamburgers. So we go, we driving down Snow Boulevard. I'll never forget it. And I was pretty good driving even back in those days. But um, this car pulled in front of me and stopped to make a left-hand turn. At the last minute, I couldn't stop quick enough, and I hit the car. And Lewis actually went through the window and came back. So oh, I hit the steering wheel, um, just a, a blood, a little gray low for about two minutes, and it stopped. I jumped out the car. Lewis trying to get out the car, and he asked me, am I okay? And once he turned his head, I saw that his, his head was split from here across his eye. It had his head kind of like open, right? I wow. said, man, oh yeah, I sat him down, sit down, have a seat, relax. And, uh, I, and the ambulance came and he went to the hospital and, um, you know, they put him back together again and he was all right. You know, we survived and, um, Surprisingly, I never did get a ticket or anything. You know, they were, wow. they were just so glad that, plus, Lewis' father was deputy sheriff. So I don't know, in, a, in another <laughs> a nearby county. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. So the uh, all the legal jargon was taken care of, but we made it through by the grace of God. And um, luckily, I wasn't going fast. I wasn't speeding or nothing, but um, I hit it hard enough where Louis, I don't think we had seatbelts in those days. Right. And Louis wasn't paying attention and went straight through the window when it came back. Oh. So that was a horrific experience for us back in those days, especially for me. Yeah. Um, but we got through it, praise God. So, and he forgave me. So, so wait, you said you did have seatbelts on? Because at that time, there was no seatbelt anything. For those of you who are way too young, there was a time where there was there was no seatbelts, any rules like that. So Exactly. That's what I meant to say. There was no seatbelt in those days. Yeah, like so, at all. I remember. I, no. was, I mean, I heard. <clears throat> I mean, I heard about that. Yeah. No, we were there. We were there. <laughs> remember the station wagon stories where they just like would just pack a bunch of us kids in the back of a station wagon. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you could never get away with that today. No, no. No. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Danny, sweet man, Thomas. Yes. Where did the sweet man moniker originate? Well, I, that's one of my favorite stories because, as a matter of fact, to be on the subject, I wrote a book about it. <laughs> and so I'm like, the name of My Life and Fun Times with Confunction. And it made great Christmas gifts. I thought I'd give it a plug. We can talk more about this later. But it yeah. tells the whole story from beginning to end, okay, of us, the confunction back in the confunction day. Thank you. And um, so what was the question? <laughs> Where did the sweet man moniker originate? Okay, well, back in the day, I don't know why. It wasn't nothing I did, but I got pacified as a ladies man. Okay, it seemed like girls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I'll pretend to give a good example. He didn't okay. know why he said Enough right there. I'll give you a great example. The 10th grade of high school, I was walking down the hallway, and this girl snatched me and turned around and said, You ain't going to speak? And I said, How you doing? And she looked at me and she said, You're not Frank Girl. And I said, Well, I'll be Frank Girl, you, you know, but she's cute. And she laughed and giggled, and we talked. And apparently, I look just like this guy, Frank Earl, that was out of school, that graduated from high school, and all the girls liked him. And I inherited all of his girlfriends in high school. <laughs> all the girls that love Frank Earl. <laughs> that, that's, 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 wow. That's yeah. the truth. And, you know, and I, I finally met him. It took me about a year to meet him. And I had to thank him. I owe you. What can I do? I said, because of you, I was one of the most popular guys in high school. And uh, and and to me, I didn't, you know, maybe a, a younger me, maybe, I don't know. But I didn't look like him that much to me. But he was a cool guy and everything, and we laughed and talked about it. But okay, from that. So one of my bandmates, his name is Thurston Johnson, noticed how the girls would, you know, react to me and everything. And he came up with the nickname 
sweetment. And it stuck. The band members got hold to it. They used, they said, man, you need a nickname. You need a, you need a nickname. So they used, you know, I tried to, I've been trying to calm that name down and it will not disappear. I really love what Mark Anthony is doing with Danny A. Thomas because it's, you know, from a website and stuff like that. And so it's a step in the right direction. But that year, that name has followed me over 40 years. <laughs> so I, you got any inside thing? Because if, if these guys came together and said, you got to have a nickname, everybody needs a nickname. But yet I've not seen nicknames for any of the other guys. Were there any other like really crazy choices for like any of the other guys? A slide fly for Felton. Maceo. Maceo, correct. Uh, uh, we just kind of broke, uh, broke, broke Michael's name down to Coop. You know, they would say Coop for sure, his friends. So he really liked Michael, you know, <laughs> the best. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but not so much nicknames, I guess. I don't know. No, not as creative as yours, right? <laughs> No man, they made songs about me, songs that I can't even sing, mention on the on the air. But um, <laughs> well, you can hear. We're we're totally PG. You can do no, it. No, no, no. I'm not going to say that. Lawsuits and shit wrong. <laughs> so you know, when you think about you know confunction, you know, I, I would say what's really, really cool about the band is that you, you kind of adopt so many influences from bands like Earth, Wind & Fire and Barquets. And, you know, who, what band of that time do you kind of feel like, you know, had more influence on your sound more than anything else? Uh, Sugarfoot from Ohio Players, to me, was the first one that really had impact on my group and so many other uh, bands as well. See Jeff. And, and we signed to Polygram um, on their label. So we got a chance to meet them and we didn't associate with them a lot. But I would have to say, along with Earth, Wind, and Fire and, and Felton loved the stylistics. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So that's how we got like the two different worlds. We had the funk thing going on. That's been from Vallejo. Um, heavy influence from Slide and the uh, Family Stones, Sylvester Stewart. Yep. I uh, grew up down the street from my house, and uh, I used to hear his church play. They, at those days, church would, they would go on till 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And I could hear them on the summer night with the window open, jam. Wow. When I was five, six, seven years old. That's very cool. Yeah, because I, as the, as the albums kept coming, I kept hearing like these influences creeping in. I kept hearing Larry Blackman. Felton would always do these Larry Blackman type of growls and stuff. I was like, that's really kind of getting little, it's kind of got these little cameo sounds and stuff. It was just like, it was just like the way that some of these, some of these influences just kind of just leaked in, but you guys just had this really, really, really cool sound that was uniquely yours. Mm -hmm. um, but, Obviously, you kind of came on everybody's radar. I mean, there was, you know, some of the more hardcore folks knew who you were before that. But, uh, 
you were on everybody's radar once fun dropped. So I really want you to kind of tell me about that track. And I mean, considering really that that song was everywhere, how excited were you when you heard that song playing on the radio for the first time? Where exactly were you at and all that? I can best describe that song as a blessing from God. Um, we was in the studio, we recorded with Skip Scarborough, uh, was our producer on that song. And we were, able to, uh, we were blessed to do four albums with him. And those are four goals. And um, which many more have turned gold since then. But um, very cool dude. And we just, we did a whole album. And when we came to the record, they, they didn't know which one to pick as a single. So the label, Polygram, just released the album, <laughs> um, Cross Country, and let the DJs pick the song, okay? And fun just captured everybody, everybody. Because we didn't even know which one to pick, okay? No one actually picks fun as a single, okay? But what? no. So I mean, after after recording the album, you do these songs after about three or four months, your ears are dead. You burn out. You just put it out and let it do what it did. Okay, for this particular album. And so it caught on like wildfire. It just caught on. And uh, we never looked back. Yeah. So so many people have forgotten about the DJ nowadays. You know, that, that just doesn't happen. But that's how records, that's how you figured out things you know the dj got his hands on it and he played it and then we learned what was what and and that's how we heard our music of course the radio but it was always the dj so yeah if only if only we did the same thing still as much but it it doesn't happen as much now so and i know i want to kind of go a little bit out of the timeline here but i really want because i want to kind of go back i know i kind of jumped ahead talking about fun but uh I really want to hear about your experience with this right here. <laughs> because Watch Stacks and just the 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 whole opportunity to to even perform at this event is just is beside itself. So can you give me a little bit of uh background on 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 Watch Stacks and everything that happened during this time? Oh totally. Matter of fact, I talk about it in detail in my book, as you want to say. But um Awesome experience. Um, I'll break it down. We had been on the road. Uh, uh, Soul Children had um, came to California, came to Oakland, California, to the showcase, as a matter of fact, and performed. And we had played with the Soul Children. I've got to set this up for you to really understand. Sure. Um, we played for the Soul Children a year prior. We learned the whole show in about a couple of days. And they enjoyed it. They liked us. So a year later, they came back. And we enjoyed them as well. They were the four-person, two-male, two-female vocal group. And they sang from, from Stack Records from Memphis, Tennessee. And we had just, so we went all, all got together. And we were going to patronize them. We went to the club and got right up front to enjoy them. So after the show, Norman went, went the leader of the group, Told us he'd come backstage. They want he want to talk to us. They went to the dressing room backstage. They said they're gonna uh, get rid of their band and they they were to hire us 
because they really liked it. We had that Memphis sound. We had the three horns plus the beats we have in Oregon that they really liked. Along with everything else. And um, so this was a Friday. Now, it was a Saturday. They, we came back to meet their manager that Sunday. Monday, we were renting a vehicle, a trailer, and heading out to Memphis, Tennessee to open up that Thursday for the Soul Children, the Emotions, David, not David Ruffin, um, um, I have the black um, <laughs> not to stop your not to stop your train of thought but did you ever get a chance to play with David Ruffin right no <sighs> we got a chance to play with that this, uh, Eddie Kendrick's Sorry. Back in the day before that, <laughs> when yeah. he went solo. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was thinking about the emotions that I say. Um, um, respect yourself. Respect yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Wow. Mark Anthony, who was that? Uh, that was uh the 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 Staple Singers. Staple Singers and yeah. Bobby Bowman. Oh yeah. Oof. Awesome oh, show. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're selling our 10,000, 12,000 seaters. And so we were going to go with that show for about um, three weeks. And so we're on the East Coast. I think we're in Baltimore, Maryland, somewhere. And we get a call. We coming off the tour and we flying into LAX to do this concert. And so we just following, you know, we following the leader, you know. Okay. So we get there. Get to the get to the the hotel. They pick us up. We go into the LA Coliseum. We still don't know, you know, the implication of this gift. Okay, wow. so we met Rufus Thomas a year prior. He came to San Francisco, and the band that was supposed to play for him didn't know his song, "Funky Chicken." Um, our manager happened to be promotion <laughs> man. Four stack records for anything that stacks it there. We got VIP, we were backstage, we was there. So, and we happen to bring all our equipment when we go to these shows. There's a message in here somewhere. Okay. So, we just happen to have our band with all our equipment. So, we backstage. And so, when the band, they really was a rival band, but the other top band in the area said they didn't know it. Someone spoke up in our group and said, We know it. That's our favorite song. We play it every week. And so Rufus just said, well, come on. So we literally, three minutes, five minutes before before the hit, I just stepped behind the keyboard. Lewis stepped behind the drum. The guys went and got their horns. Michael Felton got their guitar. Five minutes later, they tuned up. And he count, and Rufus Thomas counted the song off, and we hit just like the record. So wow. we did that in the day. We learned songs as close to the record as we could. And uh, then eventually we put our own inflections into it, but we tried to give the people the full effect of our music, right? And that's how we gained popularity. So, 
It doesn't even make any sense. I mean, the message is be prepared for anything for when right. opportunity knocks. You got to be right. ready for it. One right. But the other thing is about this, it just blows my mind, is that you, if for those who don't know what Watch Stacks is, it was this massive, massive concert event. There was like over 100,000 people here. And you guys <laughs> dropped into this thing just without even ever sharing the stage with this man before and just like pop. Wow. That is just amazing. That's what the blessing is. Hey, uh, that that's funky. No pun intended. <laughs> funky chicken, right? Funky yeah, chicken. it's it's unreal. Yeah. Unreal. And it would uh, if you, how do you not know the funky chicken? You <laughs> that's like one of the first ones you gotta learn. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, so, so like I've been in my book, I don't take credit i mean like there are certain things that we done we um for the love of music we try to um rehearse and learn our craft and put mm -hmm. together the best product that you could put together okay to present to the people when we perform okay and that lead us to get more gigs and better gigs but the things that happen in our life just happen okay there's there's a, a there's a formula, but you know, for us, I don't take credit for it because it was just us walking into opportunity. We had no idea who was going to be there. We were, we were playing behind the soul children, but every city that since since the first time we played for Rufus Thomas, every city that we went to, Rufus Thomas did not bring a band. He used us. So we on the road in Philadelphia. We had a big coliseum with Isaac Hayes, the soul children, Rufus Thomas. He didn't bring a band, he used us. And, oh. and so Rufus Thomas almost like a, a fairy godfather because yeah. um, he introduced us to his daughter, Carla Thomas. Mm -hmm. And we did our first VSO tour overseas to Japan uh, with her. We played on the um the submarine, the midway for the military bases and stuff like that. And after us going over, they was able to make contacts in Japan. So after that, we went back and toured Japan every year for 10 years after that, sometimes twice a year from the contacts we made just from that one time over there. So it was, amazing. It was 103,000 people with Richard Pryor and all kind of folks there, you know, everybody from Stack Record. Um, and, and, and if you see in the movie, Rufus Thomas kind of like stole the show with his funky chicken. It was so you, you had to be there. We were on stage and 50,000 people broke through the barrier and stampeded the stage. If, if, you didn't, if you hadn't seen that part of the show. And that's the experience. I don't think it was just the funky chicken that stole the show. I think it was also the pink suit. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that, that was a secret weapon. It worked. You know, yeah. it's funny. It's funny how looking back at that stuff and the way they dressed, and I mean, we laugh about it now, but that was dope then, man. I mean, <laughs> man, let me tell you, people, people were going out and buying pink suits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Word. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, you know, and to kind of fast forward a little bit, 
you had mentioned Skip Scarborough, you know, kind of having his hand on a lot of, you know, the, the Confunction albums. And I mean, he was a big Earth, Wind and Fire collaborator. So, I mean, do you feel like, um, I think this is kind of like an obvious answer, but do you feel like his involvement really kind of influenced the way that Confunction sound on the specific albums that he worked with kind of leaned oh, more? Of Wind and Fire? Of course. Yeah. I, I, I love Skip. I mean, I got some of my style from him. I, I was there like a, a sponge soaking up every chorus, every gesture, his vibe. He was so mellow. So he definitely has the Earth, Wind, and Fire vibe to us. You know, we had the funk already, but he kind of like um, took our funk and um, contemporized it. Almost, you right. just said, you know, took it to different levels beyond what we did. I mean, when he, like in those days, we would cut a track and he would send our tracks to LA and uh, have the uh, guys write and have these um, old guys with glasses uh, uh, doing string parts and horn lines, have yeah. the orchestra yeah. playing on yeah. our stuff, man. Yeah. And uh, he introduced us to Sheila E. And she played percussion on all our tracks. and. Um, Matt, yes. I see the tour bus first. There she is. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that we kind of, you know, because if, if you don't know Funkatopia, I mean, everybody here that's in the audience does, we're very Prince heavy, heavy channels. So, you know, th there there is there's quite a bit going on in the in the Prince world uh, as it as it ties to Confunction. This is the first of the ties. And that is obviously Sheila E playing percussion on Secrets, on uh, Love Shine, on uh, Touch, on Spirit of Love. Um, you know, tell give me an idea of what it's like to work with her at, at that stage. This is this is pre-Prince. I don't know if it's, I don't know where her career was in regards to her playing with Lionel Richie and them, uh, but. What is it like to play with Sheila E in this part of her career? And this, where you, know, you got this young percussionist that's just like, wow. Well, you know, before us, you know, George Duke loved her. She did a lot of stuff with George Duke. Yep. Prior to playing, but and just a phenomenal, nice, sweet young lady. I mean, you know, she, she believe it or not, she played drums better than she played percussion, and she just totally just turned turn out a show on percussion. So can you imagine? So very talented. Oh, that's my buddy, by the way. Me and her was very cool. You know, but um we never had no problem with her. She was very cooperative and a joy to be around. Yeah, was she does she have any solos during your shows? Yes sir. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I wanted to find the first earlier show. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, so like, and and another another connection, uh, another Prince connection is is obviously uh, the the beautiful legend, obviously Patrice Russian. Yeah. Uh, so she's actually got a little bit of a connection too. She was on that album with Sheila uh, as well. I can't remember which one. I want to say it was, I want to say it was a Love Shine album, but. Uh, what's it like working with Patrice, or do you, or was she just like more of a studio hand in that? But we did get the chance to meet her, 
And and she actually she did studio work. We never did get a chance to perform with her, but ah. she was a very sweet young lady as well. Just a, a joy to be around. Man, so 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 you have so you obviously have two connections there. You, there's actually a third, but I don't want to kind of get out of chronological order. But you have two Prince connections there with Sheila and Patrice. Um, and are are there any Prince stories that you have to share? That uh, any 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 crossing with his Purple Highness? Well, I went to one the show that it was just totally awesome. We were in town. And um, it was his controversy album. Ooh, that's oh, a great, that was a great tour. Oh, oh, yeah, and that's when he was like spunking, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And he just turned it out. Just yeah. turned out the show, you know, played extra long. People left, and he, was, he came back and played some more. Yeah, I, I mean, well, for the, Patrice Russian, you know, he wrote uh, I Want to Be Your Lover about her. her. Uh-huh. And also, obviously, Sheila. He you know, brought. He was he was watching her like a hawk, right. uh, with George Duke band, watching with Confunction and everything. And that's when he snatched her up and, and brought her, uh, brought her up. Somebody else that's also been on a Confunction album as well is Bonnie Boyer, because uh, Bonnie worked with Sheila, and of course, Bonnie was um, Bonnie worked with Sheila before Prince, but then went to then worked with Prince on the Love Sexy album, and of course. Once it went over into the '90s, you know, she worked really, really heavily uh, with with him in that as well. Do you remember Bonnie, or was she also like more of like a, a studio musician that you never really got to an opportunity to hang out with much? We didn't hang out much. We just met him in the studio and talked and kicked a little bit. Yeah, man, that's just ah, my God, that's just it's just so cool that there's just so many, so much of this cross pollination of so many of these funk bands that kind of this uh you know these these types of relationships that kind of go back and forth one album that uh really kind of pushed you know if you went on to spotify and looked at like the biggest confunction songs fun was always at the top of the list for like a really long time was always at the very very top of the list and then all of a sudden this little album happened in 2021 Yes. <laughs> this little album happened in 2021. Yes. Silk Sonic with Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars. They did the Silk Sonic, and right smack in the middle of the album is their cover of Love's Train. Love Train. Yeah. First off, you know, do you remember where you were when you heard them redo the song, or did you know that it was coming before the album came out? I mean, what kind of give me the story on 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 how that all came about? We, we knew there was talk about them doing the song mm. and everything. So, you know, something, you know, he said, well, you know, I don't believe they get it snatched. You know, let me see it. Okay. And then I'll believe it, right? Because you don't think it's true. Right. But um, another miracle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> another blessing from God blessing. for someone to redo your song you know, Love Train was never released as a single, but it did go to the top ten. Mm. And um, but forty years later, release your song and take it number one, and wow. just totally re- rejuvenate the group and me, yeah. right. because that's why me and March together now. Because 
Yeah. And I couldn't find no because you know like I I've been doing a I did confunction review for ten years. This about the tenth year. Off and on, I get I do specialized you know gigs. I play for organizations and stuff like that. Have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I had taken a break because you know I've gone to my minister, my music ministry, and playing in church and all that stuff. But then. When Bruno Mars came out, everybody was questioning Love Train. You got to do Love Train. Here they go, you know. Here, do Love Train. Pam. So, okay, so they are here in Atlanta. They are doing the holidays, the Christmas holiday. They had the award show. I got um, a confirmation from the mayor. Um, and they wanted me to perform Love Train. And so I did. I put together a group. I put together a group. I said, come on, we're going to do Love Train because this is what they want. And so we did. They liked it. And um, so I started receiving all these gifts, you know, and because of the remake of Love Train. Well, she did a great job, I got to say. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she, um, there's so much depth to the music by not changing it at all. Chris, okay. Right. So, but in the vocal work, you know, just bless his heart. I've been a fan of Bruno Mars before that, actually. You know, right. because the guy is just a phenomenal entertainer and songwriter. Yeah. yeah. So it couldn't happen to a better kid, you know. So, um, it's just been phenomenal. So now, I'm about to, you know, well, um, the function did a love train tour last year, and and I'm back doing the confunction review. Okay, featuring Love Train with with my buddy, you know, Mark Anthony. So and the group. So and and the group is such a tight group. Everybody's just so cool and um respectful and everything be nice, just true nice because it's hard to find people in the music business that are down to earth and and just want to do good music and have fun. Okay. You know, I look at cats that haven't had any success in the world, and they got egos as big as this room. You know, oh my God! And, yeah. and I just look at them, their prayer for them, and just you know, them them go about their way. But anyway, man. So yes, uh, Bruno Mars. Love thank you to the whole. I right. tell the whole world, thank you. He's definitely been a blessing to the group and to me. Yeah, and so now when you go to Spotify, Love Chain's number one most request. It's like it was fun for like a really long time, and then and then as soon as Bruno Mars and Anderson Park did Love Train, was like pop 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 pop. <laughs> was yeah, like, so I was like okay, all right. It's a nice place where it actually should be. Yeah, yeah it's it, a great song. Yeah. And what's really if nobody ever you guys really need to dig into the history of that song and, and what it was written because the song was written by, by Michael and, and Felton and what was funny about this song, not funny, haha, but it was just like kind of interesting is that they found out that they were involved in a love triangle with the same woman. Uh, I heard that. I heard that story. This is a real, story. <laughs> this is a real story. So uh, Felton, Felton wrote the music for this song. And uh, for Love Train. And then uh, Michael found out that Felton was dating the same woman that he was dating. 
Mm. And he wrote the lyrics. Uh, he wrote the lyrics to the song. And I guess, you know, at that time, you guys were very, very more in a, um, you know, definitely a democracy where you say, you know, how many people are going to be in the room? You know, you guys vote on what version is going to work. And uh, Felton didn't want, <laughs> he, did, he said, if you guys use those lyrics, then I'm pulling my music. And if I remember the story correctly, Danny, it was you that stood up and go, what are you talking about? That's got to stay just like it is. That's a hit. <laughs> and it ended up it ended up happening if and i guess felt just do it but sounds like all right that's fine so i just kind of yeah. i have no idea what happened to the woman but the song lives in infamy now and it is uh if you if you look at the lyrics to the song it's just uh i mean even the chorus itself if you are that special lover and love keeps you tied to another that's, that's the way it goes on love train <laughs> yeah. you, you know you, you know you know before i met before i ever met danny before I ever started the band at this level, when I'm doing it now, uh, I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when that song came out. And I have a picture of me walking down the street in my mind, a picture in my mind, singing that song because I was going through some love changes at the time. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, man, that was my jam. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's it, it's and the story, the history, and everything. I think if you go, um, if you go on to Vimeo and you search for Confunction biography, I think it was one of the unsung, unsung yeah. heroes specials or whatever. Uh, you you have to check it out. It is just uh, it it kind of, I, that that story actually comes up, and it's just it's it's hilarious to it's amazing. It's just amazing. But uh, anyways, yeah. So uh, let's see what else I got to talk about here. So, and the other thing too, is that uh, somebody had mentioned the movie 80 for Brady, mm -hmm. which is, the, um, which I, it, it is a movie about the Patriots uh, when Brady was with them. I refuse to watch that movie. Uh, Mark, I, Mark, I see that. I see that we are all, every single one of us here in this room right now is in Atlanta. We are all ATL here. We are all ATL here. So I refuse to watch 80 for Brady because that movie is about the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Oh my. Oh, don't remind me, please. Oh, come on. And oh I my God. I refuse to watch that movie. I'm just like, oh my God. Oh, it's about it's about their Super Bowl win, their improbable Super Bowl win. I was like, I am I'm not watching the movie. I just I'm gonna make some enemies. I'm gonna make some enemies. That's no, my just, team. Man. I'm just like <laughs> we, we, we were at a Super Bowl party and people were leaving because New England had, so they thought, lost. <laughs> Only for that to happen. Oh my God. I was devastated. Jesus. Yeah, I know. I was I, I, I was devastated. But the point of that being, <laughs> you're like, why the hell did you bring that up? Uh, uh, is is Confunction song Too Tight is in that movie. <laughs> oh wow wow yeah so it's about 20 minutes in so you don't even have to get to the end where all that happens but you watch about 20 minutes in oh, two yeah. titans in there so if you wanted to nice so, yeah. anyway, uh i am going to put uh i actually have a link that i'm going to share in the chat room for you fine folks because uh this is the link for uh danny's book so danny i want you to talk a little bit about your book about you know, the ideas that you had about 
creating this uh, book, you know, the, the, you know, why you felt like it was the right time to put it together and kind of give me a little bit more of, you know, information about the book in general. It would be my pleasure. Actually, I, I wrote the book during the pandemic. And uh, I'm stuck at home, had nothing to do. Actually, and my wife started writing her book as well. And so she's writing, and I'm sitting around twiddling my fingers. And I said, why am I going to write my story? Because I had notes. I've been writing notes previously, but always would get busy and push it to the back burner. So I decided to write so this is a perfect time to put these ideas down. And um, it's, my book is basically to give our fans that have followed us for all these years, have supported us and came to see us, to, give, to try to give something back to my fans, to give them an inside look of how touring was, to uh, give them a music lesson one-on-one of the music industry, some of the things to do Tell them about some of the mistakes that we were made, that we made, and give them just to try to give back the the, uh, the share some pictures. I got many pictures, you know, vintage pictures that of the group from which we first started till we have on concert with um, uh, major acts and everything. So it was my way of trying to give back. That's very cool. How how, how long is this book? Two hundred some pages. All right. Got some good reading there. Right. <laughs> Man, nice. And I actually created a little bit of a link there for people. If you're interested in checking out the book, you can go to Funkatopia.com. That's F-U-N-K-A-T-O-P-I-A.com slash C-F-S for Confunction. And that will take you right to Amazon where you can go and purchase the book. Um, you know, I, I do have, you know, one of the main reason why we're here tonight, just so we can kind of you know, wrap things up, but a couple of things I wanted to, to talk about here. Uh, one of the primary reasons why you're here is obviously you have an amazing New Year's Eve show for the Confunction Review that's going to be happening in Peachtree City. And, yeah. and, and we're going to be talking about that in a second. But before we do that, I know you kind of stepped out of the scene for a while. You know, what what made you kind of come, you know, desire to come back out into the limelight? Uh, what what was the the main main well, reason? Okay, when the group discontinued in '86, um, Michael decided to go solo. Felton went with MC Hammer, and um, at that point, I just said, "Well, I'm time to take a break. I'm tired." You know, um, by that time, he had been performing like 20, 25 years, and everything. So. I took a like a year off. I didn't even listen to music for about a year. Okay, because um, it was kind of, you know, you know, you put your heart and soul into something for all that time, and then I, I kind of felt a little, um, uh, you know, say for lack of a better term, mistreated. Okay, but the music business, you know, but no ill feeling because it's the music business. Okay. But I, I knew that, you know, that I talk about it in the book as well, as far as the way the music industry is, that that's why a lot of groups can't stay together for a long period of time. So they finally to make get more money. They're trying to get ahead, you know, because the, the budget isn't big for R&B groups as they are for yeah. pop groups and everything. So I, I explain all that in the book. But um, 
So I just said time to take a break. And so after about a year, I started working with my cousin, Jay King, uh, who had a record company called Jay, you know, Club Nuva. And he had started a record label from Sacramento where I was living. And so I started writing songs for him and hanging out with him and, and seeing all, helping other people get deals. And, you know, I said, shoot, I'm helping other people get deals and stuff like this. I might well. I got pulled back in. What can I say? <laughs> Man, I got pulled back in. <laughs> so um, I started um, doing music directing for different groups. I started off my first group. Um, ten years prior was um, Thomas and White. It was a jazz duo, and then we had a marvelous vocalist called Madeline Carroll, who made the trio. And sometimes we would augment the group of other musicians. And we were doing rich material, fantastic stuff back in the day. Hmm. The one thing that to know, people found out that I was back playing, so people would hire me. They called me the best. I want you to fix my band. Then I'd come in as a as a music director capability. And I was just, you know, basically when I'm playing keyboard, I know they have to hold orchestration. You know, I know what everybody's supposed to be supposed to be doing. So <laughs> and uh, so and since I had the reputation that I had and experience, I was I've got mucho respect from everybody. You know, nobody, you know, they just would cooperate. Seemed like I have actually in the Bay Area I had when I had my demo studio, I would work with multiple musicians in the Bay Area that probably couldn't work together on their own. But if someone, we used to, I had a songwriter that would, so I got this song, we'll put musicians together and we could work together with no problem because just, you know, um, everybody was willing to just co cooperate. And so, so we can get the get the, uh, the project done. Plus everybody was getting paid. So one thing led to another. So people tried to get me to do the compulsory review for 10 years. Before I said, no, no, I don't have no part of it. Um that's too hard but back because I remember when we started, we all played for the love of music. Remember? I mentioned that. Yep. You know, we were just playing, we practiced, we had fun. We had no problem rehearsing, doing our parts, because we wanted to be the best we could be. This 10 years later, life has changed it's a whole different world now, okay? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> people, you have to have a rehearsal budget and all this and that. And sometimes people still don't learn the music. So um, I said, no, I didn't do it. I just was, matter of fact, I didn't even try, I didn't even push confunctional any of the groups that I played with which was so much fun. I played with so many different groups before I started doing the confession. I, I did rock and roll. I did reggae. I mean, fat bands, okay? Besides the R&B and everything, I started a couple of gospel groups and wrote a gospel song called Free to Dream, which I'm doing my uh, Free to Dream remix that will be dropping in the first of the year, thanks to Lord. So uh, I sing some stuff. You know, yeah. and it's a tribute to Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, and President Obama. Total flip from what I've been doing. But I felt, uh, actually, I was in a car accident in 1999. Um, I'll be frank, I was on my way to make a bad decision. 
at the time it seemed like a good idea. But you know, you look back on, you know, something bad would happen in the long run. And so the car ran off the road and ran into a, a bulldozer on Mother King's birthday. Wow. And I have still today I have nine pins and a nine inch piece of metal in my leg that doesn't hurt. I don't know. Did my leg kill completely? The doctors did a marvelous stuff. I was out of I was out of out of it for about a year though. Okay. I was housebridden for nine months with a body cast. But in that time, I was able to reflect. Mm. And I got hurt on my King's birthday and I wrote a song about freak. And at that time, um, Nelson Mandela, President Obama, wasn't around. So the first, the first version is just uh, free trip to the Mother of the King. Because um, he did so much for the world, for this country, and for our people. I thought that, you know, the young people, you know, um, I need to do something to keep his, the dream alive, in other words. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so I went through all those different changes doing that. And so finally, this promoter came to me after 10 years of saying no and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And so I had to put now this came from after me, just returned from Vegas. I, I did a year's a, a year stay in Vegas with a group called New Old School. A group that had been touring West for um, about a year, and we would record. We did a "Look for Obama" song, theme song, and we were about to join his campaign and help him out and kill uh, my uh, my brother, my good, my good friend and brother Johnny Brown's son was killed in a car accident. So we had to leave mm. Chicago and go back to. Florida and bury his son. By that time, so that that song fell off. So anyway, we was doing a, we was performing in Vegas on the strip, New Old School featuring our lead vocalist H. Lynn, having a great time. And so something happened extreme. Um, oh, the the band leader wanted to move to LA to get a record deal. He thought he could get a record deal easier in LA than Las Vegas, which is probably right. But I said, I'm going back home, but I had some grandbabies that I hadn't seen. And mm -hmm. there was babies and I had a, a just a burning desire to, to go home after being gone for about three years on the road traveling. Uh, to go home. So once I went home and like the the gates of heaven just opened up, just blessings start pouring, you know, um, I was invited to be a guest at this gig, and the people found out I was going to be there. So they offered me to play. The last minute, wanted to pay to get up. And so then I had to offer to do this, this, this gig, all right? So I called one guy that stayed in touch with me the whole time I was going with Adrian Bates, one of the most phenomenal bass players of Northern California and the whole country. I mean, the dude, and just a nice guy. We was, I did, I took this course um, at, uh, um, at the college, Costa Costa College, uh, advanced production course. 
and Pro Tools course, and he was involved in it. And I got him to play some sessions for me. And just realized that I said, he would check on me, you know, every month or so he'd call. And I, so being gone three years, I, I was totally out of touch of musicians in the Bay Area that I was living at. And so Vallejo, California, actually, when I moved back. So I called him up. I got this gig and paying good money, but I don't know no musician. He said, mm -hmm. don't worry about a thing. I know a bunch of musicians that would love to play with you. So I sent him the music and the concept, and he rehearsed the group for about two weeks before I even came to Oakland, California. And when I got there, man, we had rhythm section, horn players, just knew the parts, knew the songs. And I just said, well, this must supposed to happen. Okay. It just it just don't happen like this. Okay. Yeah. This is a this is a sign from God that this review must supposed to take place. And it did. And I actually have a clip. I actually have a clip of uh of uh Mark Anthony. I have you uh, doing Chase Me. We got a little clip, we got a bunch of little clips, but I wanted to make sure we kind of play a little clip here. Let's play this little I gotta ask. I gotta ask Mark when, 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 they, when you see that song coming. Up, I, I'm a vocalist myself. When you see that song coming up on the set list, and you're like, <clears throat> "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because uh, one of the female vocalists in in the group, every time it's time to sing this song, she looks at me. It's like you oh. know, like she says. I can't see nobody but you singing this song. But you're right, man. I always go. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. I, I as as a vocalist, there are some always some songs that when we were performing when we do cover band stuff, uh we always used to cover Chicago's 25 or 64. And whenever I would see that coming up, I'd be like, oh damn. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, here we go. We're doing Chicago. And, uh, you know, anytime you get, Peter, you see something that's got Peter Cetera singing, it's like, oh boy. Yeah. Oh, it's going. But you guys have an amazing show. It's going to be coming up in Peachtree City, New Year's Eve. I got a little, the, the little banner for it. And just so we're clear, just so we're clear, uh, yeah, I actually have, I actually have a, yeah, this is, da, 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 yeah. So we funkatopia.com slash NYE for New Year's Eve. If you want tickets to go to this confunction review, New Year's Eve, you can get you can get tickets if you uh, go to funkatopia.com slash NYE for New Year's Eve to pick up tickets. Mark, we haven't got a whole bunch of talking from you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this show and 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 Danny, I'll let you kind of you know tie it all up after he's done talking about it. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Well, um, like I said from the beginning, man, it's, it's, it's an honor uh, to be able uh, to be chosen by this gentleman uh, to work with him. Because like I said, man, these guys were my heroes way back in the day. And to be working with them, 
uh, what a joy. Uh, so what we're doing on New Year's Eve, um, 2023, it's uh, the Danny A. Thomas Confunction Review. And it's gonna be at the Hilton Peachtree City Garden Inn. Uh, it's called an Atlanta Hotel, but it's in Peachtree City. Um, uh, it's uh, 2443, I think that is, or 48, the small print, uh, Highway 54 West in Peachtree City. There's going to be music all night because, of course, my band, the Upscale Band, a.k.a. A1 Party Band, we're going to start the show off. And the whole thing is featuring Mr. Danny A. Thomas. This is what this is all about. And, and if anybody missed um, uh, the link, uh, you could go to my band page on Facebook the Upscale Band, make sure you put the, The Upscale Band, AKA A1 Party Band, and go to uh, my events. And there's a link there. And you can even stay at the hotel if you like. But we're gonna have a lot of fun. We have champagne pour, uh, music all night. You know what I mean? And uh, we, we, we're gonna funk it up with uh, Mr. Danny A. Thomas and the Confunction Review. It, now, which one of you can tell me about the, the uh the charitable change foundation that this is. Uh, oh, my bad. Thanks for reminding me of that. Now charitable change is, um, is the, uh, uh, uh nonprofit organization that's actually handling uh, the ticket sales. And, and thanks for reminding me because all ticket purchases are 100% tax deductible. Okay. So we just want uh, everybody to know that, uh, single tickets, tables, you know, however you want to do it. But uh, abs um, all that information will be on the site too. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very, very Char cool. Charitable Change Foundation. Awesome. So Danny, uh, I'll, I'll ask this last question to you. Uh, will there be <laughs> surprises that night song-wise, you know, confunctionize you, miss got the body? I mean, what, what what kind of surprises we might might be able to, to see that night if we, if for folks to come out and make it? Oh no, I just can tell you we playing all the hits. All all the hits. My favorite songs that we like my myself as as well as Mark. We playing, you know, you you're you're on him. He he born for Chase Me. Okay. Um, <laughs> Chase Me for the last for the last part of the night. That's, that's gonna be in the final set list. <laughs> Love Train was definitely we're gonna do the long version of Love Train for sure. Nice. Nice. And I mean, just clap. We go. We do some some second dance, some two tight. Yeah, we can live with it at all. We yes. do two chains. Is that, I hear that correctly? Got, got got to be enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what? yeah. You guys keep glossing over this. Did you say that you did two chains? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, no, no. Too tight. Okay. Too tight. Right. That's, like, that goes back. So you did two chains? Who's doing two chains? Uh, nobody. <laughs> oh, there's somebody doing it, just that job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Oh, I can't. If, if you guys happen to be in that part of Georgia, that's again, that's in Peach, that's in Peachtree City, just go to funkatopia.com slash NYE. And you can uh, get you can get tickets directly. It will take you directly to the Eventbrite page, and you can get tickets there. And it has been an absolute honor having you two on here, Danny A. Thomas from Confunction. 
Mark Anthony from the Upscale Band. It was an honor having you guys on board, and we greatly appreciate you guys stopping in for sure. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much, guy. We'll talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you guys.